yeah, you better be fucking recording. If you fuck up again, Craig, we're gonna have issues. Right. Welcome to episode five, the redo, because basically the audio fucked up and corrupted, so we're having to re-record. Today, we're journeying to Sodor. In Thomas and the Magic What's the Magic Roundabout? Uh the Magic Railroad. We're not there yet. We're not we're not at the Magic Roundabout <laughs> yet. That's another level of like acid trip kid films. <laughs> Uh, as always, I'm Toby, joined with my co-host Luke. Choo choo! Fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not Mac DeMarco. Um, right, yeah. So join us for this is for Thomas, because uh, someone's got to keep the American promise. You simply must meet Thomas. Thomas. Sorry. So. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great Hamilton reference that someone made using Thomas the Tank Engines. It's on the Instagram. I used it to sort of say, unfortunately, the audio corrupted. I was having technical difficulties. That's impossible. (laughs) I know. Uh, Right. So, yeah, this film, it's something else. It's the biggest, like, drug trip we've experienced so far. I don't know what, like, your opinions on it, but I don't think, like, whatever we do next can beat this shit. My God. Like, this is insanity incarnate. Like I felt like, like, because you you're going between the model world of Sodor and then like the real world, and it's just such a like whiplash when you try. Like, n- there's no like clarification when you're the camera's about to switch between realities. So it's just one minute you'll be on Sodor with the the all the talking trains. Next minute you're in Toronto, and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> um, Dimension hopping adventure. It's a dimension hopping adventure, which is the weirdest thing to say about Thomas the Tank. Like, that's not even us joking. This this film genuinely has dimension hopping like travel in it. It's bizarre. <laughs> so it's basically, <laughs> you follow the conductor, who's this omnipotent being who just exists in time, in all of time and space, between Sodor and Shining Time. Played by Alan Baldwin. Although, like, I'd prefer him to be played by Ringo Starr, like the conductor. Uh, yeah, in- yeah, naturally, you wouldn't want him to see, because like Alec Baldwin does the like the narrator's job in um. In the American like, one. Thomas, yeah, yeah in, it, it's similar to the one in Thomas as well, where like the English one, where it's like the over voice. But in England, there isn't a cast. Like it, it seems in America, there's a whole voice cast for like each of the trains. But in England, they're all done by the same guy. And Ringo Starr's the narrator. Ringo Starr of the Beatles narrated Thomas the Tank Engine. And he's not even the best narrator because I didn't get him for the film. Actually, was he dead by this one? Is he, he's still not dead, is he? Yeah. No, it was like his birthday like a couple months back, I think. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Mr. Starr. Yeah. But you weren't even the best drummer in the Beatles, so what, what, what can we say? <laughs> I'm, especially, I'm convinced the Beatles were all one person, just moving really okay, quickly. Okay, right, before we go into Beatles conspiracy theories, <laughs> let's get on with the fucking film. So it opens in Shining Time, which is uh, the, it's the, like, it's the, so in our world, Shining Time is the station that links to Sodor in some mystical way. Because that seems to be where the conductor's like built around it. Like he travels between Shining Time and Sodor 
so it is like jumping point between realities um and I, like clearly like everyone already knows this mystical being of unknown powers exists because like he'll hop into reality in front of like the receptionist and she just goes oh hey conductor and it's like what <laughs> it's, this this film opens and you don't see thomas for the first like 30 minutes of the yeah. film I mean, the uh, receptionist lady, that's Dee Dee Snides from uh, Greece. She's the uh, Frenchie. <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it took me eight, like, while watching it, I had to Google it because I was sitting there, I was like, because she's got a really, like, memorable face. I know it sounds, you know what I mean? Like, mm. she's got quite a slim face and nose and big, like, big, sort of biggish teeth, you know, a big smile. So she's got quite a memorable face. And I was sitting there going, I recognise her, and her voice sounds familiar. And I goog, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Frenchie from Greece. I think, I think that's the character's name, at least. Uh, but anyway, I'm pretty sure she's from Greece. And I Google it, and it's like, oh shit, it is. Because she, obviously she's ginger in Greece and whatever, and she's got like 50s hair, you know. But yeah, that was well, weird that she's in it. Well, it's weird, because the cast for this film is kind of star-studded. you got Peter Fonda, who plays like the granddad. You got Mara Wilson, who was the biggest child actress in the 90s, in like 2000s, with like Matilda and Matilda. Uh, <laughs> Mara Wilson, um, uh, he's pretty much up there with Macaulay Culkin when it comes to child actors who dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, um, the is, I don't think she turned to drugs on Michael Jackson, so that's <laughs> Well, speaking of Macaulay Culkin, uh, uh, Mike Stockglasser of Red, Metal, Red Letter Media fame is also in this film. He plays random juggler man you see on screen for five seconds. Uh, I only know this beautiful fact thanks to uh, the beauty of Amazon Prime. Because Amazon Prime, like for every frame of the film, it brings up the cast. And like Mike Stockglasser is credited. I don't know how, how or why he's in it. Didn't even know he, he did that kind of thing, but yeah. He's just random juggler man. Um, yeah, that's the thing. There's weird casting choices throughout this film, and really, it's that's how we really that's how he should he'd get his uh start. Because I mean, look at Daniel Radcliffe. He was fishing boy, and I think it was a sausage commercial. Next thing you know, it's <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So you got these two places, which, by the way. I said they're filmed over in America, but all of it looks like it's filmed over in the UK. Yeah, because Thomas is very much a very English thing, even mm. though I th- I think it was broadcast in America uh, on like ABC or something. I I do think like it is very English. Like when you watch it, like I don't know how much you've been exposed to it, but this like Thomas was my jam as a kid, and it was like you know, it's a very very English kind of kid show like it tells these horrific stories where like a train refuses to come out of a tunnel so they bar him in and starve him until he behaves himself and it's like oh my god they're they're horrific they're like the chinese government oh whoa whoa (laughs) um but yeah it's just awful like and then like then you move to this film and i think like it's it's just completely null and void of that it, it turns into almost a pantomime this film because you've got the main villain who just turns up out of nowhere it's like oh this guy's back and like everyone's just assumes you know who he is but he's never been in the series before um he's like about the 
diesel engine, right? Firstly, he's a he's a racist that looks exactly how you'd think a racist train would look like. He looks yeah, like the three DL train member, you know? Like yeah. if he was a human, he would have a pot belly and he'd talk and he, about the bloody immigrants, you know? He'd have um, an England shirt on, a carling. Yeah. Mm. He'd hang out at the pub. He'd usually have an England flag hanging out of his window and go, oh, these immigrants are stealing our jobs. And then be all like, oh. Then you ask him what he does, he's like, oh, I don't have a job. And then yeah, it's like... The main villain's plan is to commit systemic genocide on all the steam engines. Even though, technically, there are only three diesel engines in this. So they're the minority. They're the minority. So it's like the minority... It brings up a massive debate because, mm. like... There's clear ra- racial tensions between them throughout the series as well. Um, the, the diesels are constantly called very bad engines. So really, like the the engines are like the steam engines are already offhand racist, like casually racist. That's what yeah. Tom and friends are. But then the diesel yeah. engines, they're just tired of everyone's shit. So clearly, they've been driven to the point of violence. Um. Yeah. We're seeing some real parallels with this today, but <laughs> Very, yeah. But thing with that as well, the diesel engine—he's got really no motives. Like, I was thinking about this. Like, again, it's been a while since we've watched this film because we have to redo this episode. But thinking about this now, what was his motives for wanting to destroy the other diesel? Did he just want Sodor to collapse in on itself for like some time vacuum or something? <laughs> He wants to kill Lady, who's the magical train, who's the centerpiece of the film, really, uh, who's being looked after by Peter Fonda, um, because Peter Fonda used to use her to travel between dimensions as a kid, uh, but then she ran out of magic Sodor coal, and now she's dead, um, so Peter Fonda's begrieved, um, and he's living in a mountain, also his wife's dead, so he... He kind of projects that a bit onto Lady as well, which is a very weird dynamic yeah, to have. He, yeah, he, he wants to bang that train if he could. Let's oh, just... for sure, for sure. It's uh, <laughs> a good reason why that train's face disappears when it goes into the human world. Um, but yeah, it's not really said why the diesel train wants to kill Lady. He just wants to. Well, it's, it's suggested it's to get rid of the magic because that's some like because the moment she dies all the steam engines will die something but then like it's suggested that the moment she dies the all the magic of sodor will die with her so really he would be killing himself but then again maybe that's um you know it's a commentary on the blindness of bigotry and racism and how really it doesn't make any sense at the end of the day wow tom's got real yeah. deep <laughs> it's really a deep film <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, the the boss baby's dimension hopping, and because Sir Topham Hat, the fat controller, the Kim Jong Un of Sodor, he he's gone on holiday for whatever reason, and he's he's left Alec Baldwin of all people in charge. Um, yeah, and obviously he's running out of the magic dust, which is most likely. A cocaine reference oh yeah yeah for sure because that's the for only sure. way to watch this film uh, <laughs> think about that though is alec baldwin's a tiny man like not as in like he's a small man like in real life obviously it's all special effects uh 
you know. Um, yeah, no, 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 but in the film, but, he's literally about um. No, I want to say like a meter tall, if that. But obviously, you then go to Sodor, and everything's still models, like even the fat controller and his wife and all that. Like you'll see a photo of his wife, and it's like, so the whole idea of this unit just doesn't make sense. They use flowers as telephones. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. This, this, yeah, this, it, it doesn't keep consistency within its own universe, really. That's uh, the biggest crime. <laughs> but basically, yeah, the the uh, conductor, he, yeah, he, uh, he's in Sodor, and he's trying to keep everything in, you know, he's trying to keep everyone in line because the diesel, as we said, the diesel trains are back. But he's also trying to find his. Um, his cocaine or whatever, and he can't remember where it is, so he enlists the help of his nephew, who's also called the Conductor, but they refer to him as Junior, which makes yeah. you, which makes you think that Mr. Conductor's his dad, but he's not. He's his uncle. They're yeah, very... he's a, no, no, he's he's his cousin. Their cousin. cousin. They cousin. they say in the film like cousin, like cousin. that's how Junior oh. refers to him. I don't get how that works because there's a good 20, 30 years between Alec Baldwin and the guy who's supposedly playing his cousin. Mm. But either way, it, it, they're like the cube. Like the they're just omnipotent beings. They're omnipotent beings that kind of... They're the same person, but they're not at the same time. And it's all very confusing and you're not really meant to understand it. Really, the biggest crime of this film is the fact it for a film called Thomas the Tank Engine... Thomas the Tank Engine is not in the bloody film. Like, he's in a good 30 minutes. And the film's not even that long. It's only like an hour. It's an hour and a half. Hour and a half, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, for that length, you barely spend any time on Sodor. For most of it, you're in the real world with um, Matilda and her granddad. Um, Yeah, because... Obviously, while while Sodor's like having race wars and is slowly collapsing in on itself, this little this little girl's visiting her granddad, who's you know manically depressed in a mount, living in a mountain. Uh, there's also this random kid. Oh called, yeah, um, called Patch. I thought they were Patch. referring to the dog when they were saying, "Oh, Patch," but no, the the kid who's played okay. by Cody McCain's is um called patch which is the weirdest thing and there's a weird like the truck like almost uh like relationship friendship trying to go on between uh like patch and lily who's uh, like like, mara wilson's character it's very weird because they're like 12 or something and this one of the patch can ride a horse don't know what 12 year old can do that It's America. Twelve year olds can like us. But it's also like New England or somewhere, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> you also got this like nat- uh, this Native American man, who's the big who you think he was more important to the plot because he's not like, one of the first characters you've seen. He's the big conductor at Shining. Yeah, Shining yeah. Shining. He he's the train driver, like this Native American man. But he he's like he's only really there. I I don't even think does he say anything. I yeah. I think he's like. One line to pack, yeah, and that's it. Like, and, and it's like you know, whimsical Native American man that's kind of in all these two thousand yeah. films. Um, but again, you think he'd have more of an important role, but he doesn't. Which is <laughs> a shame. Yeah, because Patch says, "Oh, I've looked at this map, and there should be train tracks there, but there aren't any train tracks." Because obviously, they're the train tracks that Lady was on and stuff. And um, 
Yeah, because they're looking for some mystical train tracks. Um, that's the magic railroad in question. There's there that see there appears to be a literal railroad road that can take full trains between dimensions. Um, because later on in the film, they pull Thomas from his own reality and use him to ride into our world. Um, and Thomas is immediately mortified. And he's so, just oh my god, where the like, fuck am I? And he's also on a cliff. Uh, it's yeah, glorious bro. though, because he's like full-size Thomas with a face and everything. <laughs> and then he just falls off this cliff and just barrels down. Oh yeah, it. Thomas the Tank Engine falls off a cliff and almost dies. <laughs> <laughs> but then he just disappears to another oh, wormhole. Yeah, no, he, like he, he doesn't appear again. Like, you don't know what happened to him. As far as you know, he died. That, that was the end of Thomas the Tank Engine. You don't see him for the next, like, I think it's like 40 minutes of the film. Yeah. Uh, until, until they go back to Sodor with Lady. And then he just yeah. randomly shows up. Uh, <laughs> behind them. So he's been floating in so- subspace for God knows how long. <laughs> he, for all we know, for that whole 20 minutes, he became an omnipotent god himself. <laughs> floating through subspace. <laughs> the train just flying through like the ether of tomorrow. Uh, oh dear, but like, in all fairness, we're not explaining this film well, but it's such a it's such a weird fucking film anyway. It's not a lot that, happens. No, like, not a lot on a surface like script story basis. Not a lot at all happens. Like it's. Uh, I, it's a film about trains. It's a film about choo-choo trains that talk. And... You can't really do much of, with them for like an hour and a half. Like they can't go anywhere there's but tracks. Even, the, the weirder thing to me, there's not even those normal like, you know, messages like important lessons for kids kind of messages. Mm. It's never like, oh, you shouldn't be mean like that. There's, it's just kind of uh, it's, shouldn't, I, it's shouldn't commit a hate happen. crime. You know, <laughs> shouldn't commit right. a hate crime. <laughs> but then again, they get away with their hate crime because they kill the diesel engine. Oh well, no, they uh, he plummets off a bridge. That's and lands passing barge, which you think would sink the barge because I'm I'm convinced. I mean, he's a massive bloody it. diesel engine. Like he's a full-on one of those old like massive ass metal diesel engines if he fell on that i'm sure it cracked the boat or something but it doesn't he just falls on the barge comically and it goes i'll get you next time spider-man as he floats away you know um yeah because obviously because they do a bit of foreshadowing earlier so while uh the conductor has a bit of an epic fight with the diesel engine because the diesel engine's got his big <laughs> You mean the bit where Alec Baldwin like cuts one of his wire things and then his like arm that you this diesel engine used to uses to grab things flings Alec Baldwin about a hundred feet in the air and he lands on like a, a, a like a group of like corn bags or something and he's like wow he's like, you yeah he's like you guys help because at the start of the film it's like oh. This is a magical journey, and maybe you will help along the way. Are you yeah, like, more... there's a nice thing for the kids to think they're going to have like an impact on the film. Like, like nothing happens for most of it until something randomly that, oh wow, you saved me from dying a horrible death by falling. Thanks, children. So it, we didn't do anything. Though. Those bags were just there, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, flour when it's packed like that isn't super soft if it's packed in a. <laughs> 
Jamar Alec Baldwin did just contort himself. <laughs> yeah. If you hit like a nice burlap sack of flour that's properly like you know full and stacked on top of each other. That's like, like hitting a brick. It's like if you hit water from a certain height, it's not like, yeah. you're not hitting water. You're just hitting a solid thing, and you you yeah, yeah. hurt yourself all the same. They're almost like sandbags, you know. Yeah. You know, if you ever gone around like a shop, it's like where you slap the bags of compost as you go past because you've got to do that. Yeah. You? <laughs> you know, uh, uh. it's one of those things you can't not do. You walk, you see compost in a shop, and you're just like. You've got to slap that ass, you know? You've got to slap uh, that ass. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so how he doesn't die from that. Oh, and also, at the same point, they, they land like outside the mill and Junior's suddenly there. And he decides to hit a, hitch a ride on the propellers. On the Oh yeah, Junior of- just does shit in this film. And he, he just gets into trouble. Like, he gets on those propellers, they swing around really fast. And then he ends up on the back of the diesel train. And accidentally gets abducted, and it's like, oh, oh, that just happened. Like stuff just happens in this film. It's very weird. Like nothing has any rhyme or reason. Thomas the Tank Engine's working on a different plane of existence to any other film I've ever watched. It's bizarre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought Flushed Away was insane. <laughs> oh no, Flushed Away is coherent compared to this. <laughs> Spy Kids is a masterpiece narratively compared to this. <laughs> at least the three films have like an overarching thing that all uh, all culminates at the end of the third one in an, in an epic Endgame style ending. In this one, like stuff just happens, and by the end of the film, I guess we've got a resolution. It's <laughs> it's not even a resolution really, because there was never really any conflict to begin with, besides evil Diesel Train. Um, <laughs> Which just I, again, I don't know what I expected from Thomas the Tank Engine, but you know, there, there, there's some real moments where there's some like, like especially the granddad tries to put some real drama into it, oh, and yeah. it's acting really dark, and it's like my wife died before I could take her on the magic railroad. Some days I still wish I had fixed lady in time. And it's like Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> cheer up! You're in Thomas the Tank Engine, not fucking Les Miserables, you know. <laughs> He's living in a mountain, like... <laughs> he doesn't want to see his own granddaughter. Go away. <laughs> it's like Harrison Ford in any of his later roles. That's how this granddad character acts. It's just the, oh, fuck off. I'm not, I'm too, I'm too old and pissed for this one. Like, uh. I mean, like, later on, like, going back to the bit where, uh, Junior's like subway surfing on the diesel engine. He ends up like you find one of the other steam engines, and the diesel engine just basically tries to push him into the depths of hell. Because for some reason there's like a oh, there's a fire pit in the uh, diesel fire engines. pit in um I I think it's meant to be like where the diesel engines hang out. I don't know. Yeah. It's just there's a massive crater full of like hot magma, and they're gonna push uh, like uh, one of the steam engines. And uh, they conduct like uh, Junior into this pit of lava, and then Junior's like, ah, nah, nah. and he uses the last of his gold dust to transport him and the train, like fucking trans, literally, like they they dematerialize and rematerialize right where the conductor is. It's like, what the fuck? These these beings of unknown power can just do this shit. Like, why don't they do it? All the- you can't hurt these people. No. <laughs> oh. 
my thing is that they've said they've got a, like where do they materialise from? Because then they've said they've got like a dad and like that you know their old man was the conductor before them and stuff. That means they have like a lifespan still. They all yeah. Do they just like do they turn into the magic dust when they die? It's like a, do they like ascend like Uguay? It's like a thousand generations living you now kind of thing. Just oh. yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, all the yeah. It's like they 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 turn into gold dust, and that's how they mm. like leave. They just we always we I think we both said last recording when the conductor like, the conductor kind of gives his job to Junior at the yeah. end of the film. He should have ascended into like a uh, in a, in in an explosion of gold dust. Just, yeah, like, that would have been into the air and just. Wow. Well, I mean, at the same time, he's gonna stop in shining time. The other conductor, so they can keep the. Uh, dimensional riff open because it's never fully explained how the, the two dimensions rely on each other it's just like oh if so you know if the magic collapses Sodor will die and what happens if Sodor collapses does that mean like shining time will just implode like a nuke going off or something just all of Pennsylvania gets wiped out <laughs> just hold <laughs> <all> on <laughs> <laughs> I just think, yeah, no, like these interdimensional portals don't feel very stable. Like the moment, the moment one of these things goes, like maybe it starts like I don't know, irrevertibly cracking the skin of the earth. Like shining time will just be absorbed into the nether. This is this is why we've never heard of this place. It was a place in the real world. But then it was absorbed into the interdimensional hell portal that Thomas the Tank Engine lives in. Obviously, Thomas comes out at the proper portal, barrels it down a cliff, and then disappears through another portal randomly that's nowhere near. Does that mean surely like normal people could have just stumbled into these portals? Or do you have to be going at a certain speed? Is it like Back to the Future? Yeah, like you have to be going 88 miles per hour or something, and it's like. no, it's clear that there is some like energy required to do this kind of thing. I think it is suggested like, oh, and it, like you need this Sodor coal as well, because that's like magic coal or something. So, but, like, I mean, oh, still, like Thomas, I thought you needed the coal on the track. So, there's just random open wormholes that people could fall through. That, that's what, maybe maybe Shining Time should have had like this subplot where like people have been going missing for years. Nobody <laughs> knows where they are, and it, it, like it, the, you go to Sodor and all the people are there. It's like that, that's Mrs. Thatcher from the, the from the uh, like uh, post office. She worked there for years. What's she doing here? And you, they go up to her and she she's like, oh, who are you? Where am I? It's like she doesn't she doesn't remember anything because like Sodor <laughs> yeah. takes over your mind. It's like she's a somehow, dimension. She's somehow. <laughs> She somehow wound up in Wales and closed down the coal mines. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you left it open with same Mrs. Thatcher. Um, Mrs. Thatcher. It's <laughs> a hard-hitting political comment. <laughs> um, I, I, I what a bitch. Anyway. <laughs> Says she wound up in Ireland, but you know. She wanted uh, to make it. I mean, I mean, Sodor is based off the Isle of Man, so you're not that far off. Um... Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, it's weird because this film was filmed all over the place, seemingly. There was filming done in Toronto. There's filming done in, uh, like, I think it's like New England kind of area. That's yeah, where Pen- Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So it's the, I said, Pennsylvania is the East Coast. It's one of the, first, coast, places. Yeah. It's one of the first places we colonized. 
You can kind of tell though, because the railroad itself, it look we both went it looks like a very English kind of railroad site. It looks like somewhere in Devon or whatever. Or yeah, yeah. So it, it's it, we were surprised when it turns out like the, all the Shining Time stuff was in Pennsylvania. So I'm assuming I don't know. Maybe some of our Americans. <laughs> um, maybe, so, but like I, I, I must look into this more because it seems like we just built exact replicas of train stations that you'd find in like Devon, just in America somewhere. Is there just steam train like lines just in America, just taking up like loads of space? Is that a thing? I'm assuming it'll probably be it'll probably be in some of the places we colonized a bit earlier, and that are still a bit more like. At the um, same time, though, steam steam trains became more of a thing in the late 1800s. So you're looking. As we started to push, it's like you know when we had our industrial revolution. I think that's when steam okay. became a big thing. Yeah, so yeah somewhere. So, right now. so that's roughly when America started to push west, because obviously that you got the Great Western Rails and stuff over there. So you have got big steam engine lines in America. I'm not versed. I'm not a train spot or anything, so I'm not fully versed on this sort of thing. No, so, I'm, not, I'm not a drug addict either. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. But no, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a very like it, it's just nice to find out where like all this stuff was because it's like some of the location shots for Sodor was actually filmed on the Isle of Man apparently. I don't know what bits because for most of it it looks like set. It's I probably don't know. mostly it's probably mostly soundstage and sets because yeah, it, it's probably where they did the filming for the series. Like the all yeah. all the models are probably on the Isle of Man or something. Um, oh. Yeah, you're not. If the model's already there and set up for filming, you're not going to shift them to America and yeah, potentially yeah. damage them. You may as well just film they, those. Were bits. they still filming the series at that point? I don't know. Cause this might have been like a, the ending to it. I don't. I don't know how long after this the model stuck around for. Because I know nowadays it's all CG animated. It's all CG. I don't know. I'm not versing up in the. Yeah, the, in the Thomas the Tank Engine behind the scenes. But yeah, no. Yeah. It, I, that's one thing I'll give them credit for. The models still look pretty good. Like oh, all the, the, uh, the model work looks pretty good. Like Sodor itself is quite well realised for like a fictional location. Oh, it's everything like like Post from Pat's the same. The models look better for Post from Pat than the CG version. Yeah, yeah, yeah undoubtedly. I think Tom, Thomas is the prime example of that really because it was the yeah. It's one of the big ones to do it, but it's like it's it's got a certain charm to it as well. That's oh yeah, for sure. It's a bit like an Argman film in like in that respect. Yeah. At least uh, you can respect them for keeping with it. Almost, like, oh, like, yeah. there, I, I think the, like there isn't that much CGI used besides like some of the magic shit. Yeah. Even then, they must have they must have got a full Thomas like actual full on engine for the bits in Pennsylvania when he's like on the cliff. Probably. They must have had like a full engine. I don't know how they like what they did with that or if it is just a sp- perspective shot of some kind. But I it, it looks very cool. It looks bit. They've got to have parts of the trains all built because obviously you yeah, see. No, I think it, um, like uh, without giving too much of a way where we live, but there is a train train line near us, like a, a old kind of steam engine one that does do like Thomas the Tank Engine stuff, and they have a full Thomas train. There's like a. Also, I mean, steam. also we live near a theme park that literally has a thing called Thomas Land. Well, yes, but. Uh, I- which that's nightmare fuel. 
Um, no, that is pure. Th- those characters were never meant to be seen from the front, as far as I'm concerned. No. They're like Peppa Pig. You see that woman from the front, and you, you're going to have nightmares. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're going on about that railroad that you're on about near us, it's actually not that old. Isn't it? The, act- the actual station was built, I think, in the 70s. I mean, the tracks itself are old. I think some of the stations further down the line are oh, a bit older, yeah. Oh, um, probably old, but I think the one... I, I was meant to be doing an internship at there one. Yeah, bloody hell. But the one... Anyway. Are, <laughs> but, but the one our end, like the closest, the one that you're on about, the closest one, Yeah. that's... I think that was built new, so they could connect it and have the full... Oh, line. have the full one, yeah. Probably have, have, have the most, Probably have the have first first station in the most populated area as well like yeah because yeah. i i didn't realize this the other week because obviously they've got a pub there as well that's quite nice they do mm. and do longer full of whiskey so i'm often in there what um, in, the sta- in the station itself or? uh yeah yeah the pub's part of the station but because of social distancing this is really nice uh they put because the it's i think the trains actually they've started running the trains again i was there last Sunday, and it was the first day of them running. Oh, they started doing the trains again. That's, that's yeah, yeah, part. but yeah. but on the platform, they've got tables and that set out. For, and it's really nice, to be fair, sitting on the platform, having a drink and something to eat or whatever. Like a nice party, wow. get it? So, they, so uh, welcome to the uh, deleted bit of uh, the podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying that, like, yeah. But uh, I said I only found out the other week when I was there with some mates, because one of them, one of my mates works at the pub at the station and he brought it up um mm. but yeah they've started running the trains that's quite good like i said i was there uh, a few days ago and it was quite cool you just saw like the steam well, coming in thing, I, i've always quite liked steam engines and oh. at least in that regard this film does that quite well it does oh, yeah. choo-choo trains there's a lot of choo-choo trains even in the real world there's choo-choo trains but <laughs> that's not nice. okay, uh, i i'm not I'm not a train guy, like I don't know the differences between anything train, but I do like a good train. I think trains are like <laughs> trains are like trains are like the best way to travel. Like, oh, no, I think it, especially in England where we live. Yeah. It's, I I I much prefer the train over the bus because the bus is like at oh. least on the train people keep their distance as well. Even before this, people didn't talk. People on a bus are so loud. Half, half of them are drunk, and mm. you know. The others are elderly bastards. Um. Oh, yeah, it's like because also where we live, because we're in the mi- we're in the middle part of the UK. Just say it like that middle strip. You're giving too much away. <laughs> no, not really. I'm just saying that middle strip. So we're not too far from anything either way. And so we'll often I'll often get the train down to London instead of driving or whatever. Whoa. It's just it's just Hold much on. nicer. Yeah. I'd often get obviously get the, the train journey down to London's a lot nicer than driving. Less traffic, you go past the fields, you can drink. You know. <laughs> but yeah, trains are just generally cool. Like a great way to travel. I, so I think steam engines are probably they're probably gonna be outlawed at some point because they just like they emit so much CO2. And it's they're pro they are like great for tourism, yeah. but they're terrible for the environment. <laughs> um, it's steam though, isn't it? Oh no, because you got to burn coal. Yeah, you got to burn coal, isn't it? It's so. Yeah. Oh, who cares about dead dinosaurs? <laughs> Let's burn them. I want my choo choo. <laughs> yeah, um, I want my choo choo. I don't care if the polar ice caps are melting at an alarming rate. I want not, my choo choo tray. <laughs> not, not my problem. 
with the generation where it will be our problem. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait until like 2016, the entire world's flooded. Um. Uh, all right. So Thomas the Tank Engine. Well, I swear we had more to talk about last time with this film. We got so off track. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a great tangent about trains. Oh yes, that will definitely make up for exciting listening. <laughs> Trams are good as well. Hmm. Trams are good as well. Um, <laughs> oh god, trams. <laughs> uh, yeah, they even sound like a disgusting idea. In all fairness, I don't hate trams. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just seeing... Uh, they have electric trams in, like, Birmingham. You give it too much away! Oh, shit! No! <laughs> redaxed! Redaxed! <laughs> yeah, those trams, like, run all the way through to Wolverhampton. But anyway, uh... You know who else drives trams? Uh, Nick Mason from The Weekly Planet, a better podcast than this one. Um, they don't start talking about train services <laughs> through their podcast. Okay. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of tram memes for them. Okay. Uh, Nick Mason's <laughs> a, for their podcast, there's also pop culture. He's a bloody tram driver, mate. Uh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> and they're Australian, so everything they say is just automatically more funny. Um, uh, yeah, well, yeah, because the Australian people are just so funny as a concept. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, on a seamless segment back into Thomas the Tank with trams. Uh, d- like I f- I dug out the other day an old book, an old Thomas the Tank book I've got. That's got my because you know like they do like the books that are around one of the t- characters, and you'll have to like one they're one of those things where you'll try and find your own name. Mm. So I've got one of them, and it's Toby the Tram. So, seamless segment back to Thomas the Tank. Because it's one of them, it's like, funny enough, I think I got it at that uh, railway station. Because obviously they've got steam engines. So it's like yeah, yeah, going. they have a lot of Thomas stuff there. It, uh. It's their version of like rulers with your name on. Or mm. license, you know, bought or whatever. A uh, bought license plate. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. But this film. Yeah, but this film is just someone else. Because uh, the, the whole physics of the world as well like i touched on earlier they like have uh so they use like tulips as phones they like hold one up to their ear and the other up to their mouth and just like talk like and you can get someone anywhere with them like Mm. they'll be like they'll just start ringing randomly but my thing is they always seem to ring at the exact point where someone else is like if one conductor's trying to get in contact with the other do you think all the flowers on Sodor ring and they just hope he picks up the right one? Or do the flowers know? They're seemingly connected to the actual telephone lines as well. Or either that or... I don't know how it works. It, it is like... It's, it's only the conductors who do it, so it could just be like another magic thing they can do. Um, I guess. Or, or either that or they're actual things on Sodor and everyone just kind of goes, Oh, hold on, I'm getting a phone call. Pulls out two daisies and just goes, Yeah? Oh, right. So, it's just something that exists in this world, and I guess it's a, a nice bit of world to build. <laughs> um, it's, it's very convenient. A lot of the stuff in this film is just very convenient, but it's I guess that's the charm of the kids' film made around Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, because obviously you've got the bit where, because Thomas finds the dimensional rift as he's, like, put backing up to pick up some coal, and one oh, yeah, of the trucks, old trucks go flying through the dimensional rift, and they're like, oh, Thomas, you found the dimensional rift. And he's like, 
Well, yep. And then they just yep. drive off. Uh, <laughs> yep. Let's, uh, you know, but then obviously the coal's there. And then when they're in in the mountain and the, the little girl's like, oh, there's some, uh, Thomas reversed out and left some Sodor coal. Let's use that. And then obviously they shovel it in and uh, next thing you know, they're traveling through dimensions like, you know. That makes me think because the Sodor coal is what brings Lady back to life. Can you put mm. Sodor coal, coal in any engine and it will give it sentience? Can you put Sodor coal in anything and it gives it sentience? Like if I put it in my fireplace, would it make the fire like scream in pain because it's burning? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm burning from the inside! Kill me! Right, is, yeah. um, <laughs> is the Cars universe an extended version of the Thomas the Tank Engine universe. In fairness, I don't think there's any doubt in the Thomas world that these aren't like organic. They're all they all work like steam engines. People can ride inside them. It still yeah. works, and there's still people. There's still other people. It isn't like the Cars universe where there's no people, and seemingly the cars have taken over. Either yeah, that, yeah. or we have merged with our car brethren. <laughs> it was a, like global warming must be a massive issue in the Cars universe. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's the whole thing that it's all connected to Wally and all that, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just picturing them, like, you know how Wally crushes things? He gets Lightning McQueen and he just crushes <laughs> him into a cube. And he's just screaming as Wally's like, shh. <laughs> um, light, anyway. Lightning McCube. Good shout. God, yeah, I'm just trying to remember more of what happens in this film. So they get. They, they they dimension hop back to shining time on Lady, and her wheels like just get ri- destroy the railroad. They're sh- metal shavings flying everywhere. flying oh, yes. everywhere. And then it turns out the metal that's coming off the railroads is what creates the gold dust that the conductors use to travel between dimensions. They be the the subplot of this film with the conductor is that he's running out of gold dust, so yeah, he yeah. And, and therefore he can't protect the engines. Because he he see he feels he's useless without it, and you think that would lead naturally into a message of it, it doesn't matter what you have, it's it's who you are. So it's like or, oh, that... or one of those bullshit things. The magic's always inside of you. Yeah, so yeah, but bullshit. it doesn't even lead to that. It's just oh, you fucked well, up. Oh well, it's it's it, we can just make more of it. It's you know it's one of those oh we've solved this problem now. You know, if we can't make more gold dust next week, oh well, we'll cross that hurdle when we get to it. Yeah. <laughs> We've got it now. Yeah, they don't even go, let's go back over that train line again and collect like a life worth, like lifetime supply worth. Because I don't want to run out of this shit, man, you know? Let's, um, just, let's just make what we need now and <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, so sh- they nearly cause a fire basically on the tracks. Uh, yeah, hopping between dimensions, yeah. and then um, they, yeah, so know. they get back, and there's a final epic chase scene between Lady Thomas and Diesel 101. Um, yeah, or so known as Kevin or Kevin Keith or Dave. What's a what's Something an idiot? Like Dave. Um, I'd say Dave. That's an idiot name. So they they set up earlier that this this bridge is like falling apart there's one that was uh like thomas pot pat like crossed over earlier so first uh lady goes over it and then it collapses a bit it's gone and they're like oh no is thomas gonna make it 
and luckily Thomas skids across in the nick of time but then when Diesel tries to go over because he's a fat bastard the, the, the entire bridge just collapses and they're all like ha, 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 we just killed a sentient train as he falls to his death but he doesn't as we established earlier he actually falls onto a barge comically and he's just like oh it's a lovely day for a cruise and then he just fuck knows where he is now he he's, be- he's probably dead I, that's all uh, i like to think that boat just kind of went out a bit too far and then the weight kind of just pressured it and it flipped over uh <laughs> and they just both drowned like titanic oh. style <laughs> It's a horrific accident. Um, oh, yeah, no, there's like, uh, I think it's just like that resetting of the status quo is kind of just the, the the victory of this film. It's just, ah, uh, everything's fine again. Everything's fine again. Know. You know, Pennsylvania's still intact. Pennsylvania. You know? I'm surprised, no, because there was meant to be like um, in early drafts of this script, um, as it like these factoids come out upon the uh, Prime thing. There was meant to be a like a villain in the real world as well. That with Shining Time, there's meant to be a villain who was trying to buy Shining Time and change it into like a like a traditional, uh, well, modern kind of railway. He's trying to connect up it up to an older line. So to stand in the way of progress, they were going to help get money or something for Shining Time, or the the, the evil businessman was going to be working in conjunction with the villain from Sodor, the diesel engine. To kind of corrupt both sides, because it would seem there's a balance between the two or something. If one goes, the other goes. I don't yeah, because like, you works. you see when they go on about oh, if the magic goes, shining times in trouble, and it just seems like this Mad Max looking. Post- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's papers everywhere. Windows are being smashed in. There's graffiti on the walls of Shining Time. The receptionist is like, no. No, like, and then like Alec Baldwin wakes up going, oh, I gotta find more like, magic. It's like the bit from the original. So it's suggested it. So there's like a there's a symbiotic link between reality yeah. and fiction uh, in this universe. That, that scene where like you see run down shining time. It's very much like the original di- Sam Raimi's original ending for Army of Darkness, where Ash sleeps too long and he just wakes <laughs> up. <laughs> And he just wakes up in like a dystopia. It's really similar to that. Sam Raimi's version of this film. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas sleeps too long and wakes up with Sodor's in ruins. One train and one man have to take it back by force. <laughs> oh. Percy, I found this book. I'm going to read from it. No, Thomas, don't do that. <laughs> Thomas released this, the hell demons, under Sodor. Sodor <laughs> deadites. The army of darkness has grown Sodor. <laughs> no, because if you, you know if this was a Sam Raimi film, we know who played the conductor. You just know. Bruce Campbell. Oh, Bruce Campbell is the conductor would be hilarious. I, I'm just, I just want to think about like the uh, like Sam Raimi version of this film. <laughs> we have Willem Dafoe playing the evil train. Just... <laughs> you know, you know, you know how the evil train's got this claw. Like Thomas fits mm. one of them to himself, but it's like a chainsaw on the end. This never <laughs> <laughs> it goes around like murking the army of evil. No, uh, it's like, no, the, the diesel engines are the deadites. Oh my god, yes. Uh, Chopping them off. Oh. I'll be in the sequel when uh, Diesel comes back from the, his watery grave with a vengeance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do, 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 do. 
<laughs> it's like, oh man. Thomas Morris is the evil diesel. <laughs> Look, so I, I always like thinking about like, because uh, I think we've it, it's almost become a common theme with these podcasts to think about the sequels that are never going to happen for these films. Sorry, I can't... Going, back, going back to the Thomas Evil Dead thing as well. It fits. <laughs> Because Ash wears a lot of, always wears blue throughout the series. Thomas is blue. Ah, 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 see, see. <laughs> Sam Raimi just... knew the connection was coming. <laughs> That'd be I'm the saying. weirdest like, pre-planned oh. thing ever. I'm just saying, I think I'm getting ideas for a, a parody for uh, Uni. <laughs> it's kind of like a Scoob Apocalypse kind of scenario, really. It's like mm. taking something that's inherently like a kid's thing, a uh, kid's property and like twisting oh, it. Yeah. Like Army of Darkness meets Thomas the Tank Engine. I really love it. I really love it, that idea. <laughs> Thomas finds a Necronomicon. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Which is the uh, engine that gets bricked in? In the actual original series? What's that? Is it Percy or, t- or another one? Sorry? You know, you know, one of the uh, trains gets bricked in, in the original series. It's um Henry. Henry, right? Evil Dead Two. You've got Henrietta, uh, Professor Nobis' wife, and he's chained up in the basement as a deadite. <laughs> That's Henry's. That basically is all boarded in because he's actually a deadite as engine. And Thomas, <laughs> has... <laughs> uh, and then Thomas has to knock it through because I know some the. Their version of the Kentarian dagger or whatever's under there. No, the lost. No, not the Kent. The lost pages. And he has to fight the dead Henry. I'm that's going in between. up against an army. That's just. It's the best idea we've ever. <laughs> we got yeah. to pitch this to whoever owns Thomas the Tank Engine. This is this is brilliant. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking about this way too much. Uh, <laughs> um. Oh bloody hell. Give it a grace, old Thomas. Well, yeah, um, the film was the film was ridiculous. I wouldn't oh, suggest watching it unless you have your films. The film's a trip, and it makes no sense. If Ringo Starr was in it, it would be the I Am the Walrus of films of kids media. Oh, for sure, for sure, it's definitely it's all mo- it's already like the like it's already like the uh, I want to say like the Radiohead of films. It's just such a drug trip. Uh, it's just loud noise and confusing visuals. Um, <laughs> I didn't know uh, what was going on half the time. I said one yeah, minute you're in Odor, the next minute you're in Shining Time, you've got this tiny Alec Baldwin dimension hopping. <laughs> the Fabric of Time's got to be really that morbidly interested, watch it for yourself, but I would not suggest it because this film, like, uh, like the first time we recorded this, I think this one's a bit more scattered brained. Uh, but the. the yeah. like, we were just blown it. away by how, like, because you never watched it before, I don't think. I've never seen this. I... Yeah, it was insane, though. This film's crazy. It's just like, I don't, it goes a mile a minute and then it's over. And, like, the resolution really isn't a resolution. It, it just ends with, like, her, her and her granddad just, like, hugging or something. And then it's just over. You know, like, yeah. what? They, they don't even go back to, like, where they came from. Like, they're they're really. Screaming. They're really random musical numbers in this as well, like songs about the magic and keeping it in your heart and oh, stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, like it, like the main ones, like there's the start of the film where they're at Shining Time and it's like the magic is in there, and it's just, and then there's a, I think there's another 
other one when like everyone's going around their daily business as Sodor, and I think there's one at the very end. Uh, but I think it, that's over the credits or something. But the way those shots sort of go as the Ragnar song's going on, it gives me a Come Outside vibes. You know the old like CBBS program, where like oh, oh yes, Auntie Aunt Mabel and Pippin and their fucking plane. Oh she, yes, the oh. she, she flies Where's to WH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same, but it, is, it gives me that same visual vibe as the songs are going, you know? Yeah. It's just, and even musically, because the theme song's like, look up, look down, look all around, up in the air and underground. Like, yeah, I just yeah, don't know. Yeah. I mean, my Auntie Mabel is like, she's she, the reason global warming exists. She uses oh, a plane. It's, it's, yeah, she uses her own personal plane to teach kids lessons. She so. goes, she uses her own personal plane to go to WH Smith's to buy a pencil, then flies to like Wales to see how pencils are then made, to then go back home with the dog. Also a sad reality is that dog has been long dead. But but it the but the mute that the songs and the way it's shot gives me a really similar vibe to come outside. It's I I couldn't put, this, I couldn't put my finger on it when watching it. And it's only I said having to redo this episode uh, because obviously it, the files fucked up. Then it has hit me, and I thought that's what it is. It's probably the ultimate embodiment of like our kind of English kids entertainment and done thing. Yeah, that's what this film is. Is the ultimate tr- tribute almost to that kind of film mm. uh, or that kind of TV era, as it were. Um, what yeah, surprised no. me is this is a theatrical release. Oh dear, this was huge at the time. We're like, I know. It was, a massive, it was a massive deal as well. I um, just wouldn't have assumed it. Quite a, quite a fair bit, I think. Um, it, it got a bit pan though, because yeah. when people realised it's kind of not about Thomas at all, like what the kids probably went there for. Mm. A lot of it you are spent with the characters. Which is uh, not probably not want what what your five year old watching Thomas the Tank Engine wants. He wants Thomas and friends, and you don't really get Thomas and friends in this film, especially a lot of the like the secondary cast for the series, like the other trains. They only get like two lines each, pretty much. Like even yeah. like recurring characters like Percy or what have you. So it is um, that seems to be the major problem with it around the time. It was just the lack of the main title character in the film. Yeah. Which I can understand that as a, like a complaint, especially if you're just showing this to your kid. You don't really especially, get yeah. much for your buck. I will admit, it's a really warm film as well while you're watching oh, it. Oh yeah, it's definitely. Like... It's, it's just got like that nice, it's got that nice like Saturday morning kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's not, it, you know, it, it's hard to describe it really as a film. Both, I said, narratively, and also just how to describe it, like, I said, visually. Because, like we said, the models are the nicest bit. I I'm, I hated whenever you'd have to go back to Shining Time. Shining Time, it, the, it, it was very cinematic of a lot of, like, 2000s mm. filming. Well, it's, this is literally made on 2000s, so it's probably more 90s. But it's like, it does yeah. look a lot like those kind of kids' films where it's just, like, it's not really in HD yet. And then a lot of the shooting is kind of, it's kind of too warm looking yeah. visually. Like uh, it's a lot of oranges and not a lot else. 
is an overabundance like they haven't balanced it right i don't know it's not the best shot but then again i'm not asking for that from thomas the tank engine no um i mean simple but it gets the job done so what gets me is the fact they try and have high octane action and fights uh, like yeah, train tracks. scenes are the weirdest thing because they're shot so flatly that you don't really get the pressure of them. I thought that you would like you don't really like it's just a it's like you, the trains will go speeding past, but like you don't even get a yeah. camera or anything. Um, also, also, the mix of physical sets and sort of CG put ins really weird. Mm. You know, because it's yeah, like yeah, there are moments when you can tell they're on like blue screen and stuff, and it's it's very strange, and, and then it all like, but it'll be like in the same kind of set area, like the yeah, same yeah. area. It will set, it'll switch between a set and CG, and it's like, whoa, that's a bit. It's mainly in Sodor this happens. It doesn't really yeah. happen in uh, the, uh, the other way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the other realm. Um, the other realm. Is, uh, is there a multiverse then? I want to know if there are other places connected to random like models. There's like, the suggestion there's other conductors, so there must be hmm. other worlds. Like in the Thomas the Tank Engine world, there must be other islands or something. Do you think, because Postman Pat's the similar vein of animation, do you think Postman you, you Pat gonna get an epic I'm surprised that's never happened. Like, they're, they're two very similar shows. Hmm. Yeah, uh, you'd expect like two little English institution kind of film uh, TV shows to have done like even a TV crossover at some point. Oh yeah, like I mean, I'm uh, Sam, Postman Pat, and Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh yeah, like and you have like an epic portal scene as the wormholes like, <laughs> and like Thomas is there like Avengers, and then I don't know, uh, fuck it, well, I don't know what would fly to his anchors is no, Fyman Sam would do the Avengers thing because. Oh yeah, he's, yeah. He's uh, got his hose. His hose. His, no, his, his fire axe comes to his hand. His fire axe flies into his hand, and then the portals open. A fucking, you see Thomas just like bellowing music. Do, 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 do. It's just <laughs> Thomas just all menacingly wheels out and like <laughs> fucking and like Harold the helicopter flies through another one and post from <laughs> post from Pat comes out and starts running. And Norman starts setting fire to shit. Noddy? Noddy? Yeah. Fucking. Oh, what? what's Noddy's gnome friend called? Oh. I'm pretty sure he has an airplane at some point. Yeah, so yeah he probably has some kamikaze thing he can do. Big, uh, big ears. Big ears flies yeah. through. Uh, what else you got? I'm uh, thinking of like other kids' characters from that kind of era. I can't really. Bill and Ben. The f- oh, Bill and Ben too late early? Bill and. Wait, you mean the cooks? No, no, the flower pot men. Do you think? Do you think little cooks part of the same, the conductor like lineage? It's possible. They're very similar beings. They're like the same kind of stature. Maybe he was like, Dad, I don't want to be a conductor. It's like, what are you gonna do then? Become a world-renowned chef? And he's like, Maybe yeah. I will. And that's and he's how like, he ended up t- timing up with uh, Big Ben. Where the question is though. Is he is Big Ben is he the normal size guy? Big Ben's a giant. Oh. oh. I don't know. I don't know because I I, I no, I'm because little cooks the magic one because he flies around on a spoon oh, and yes, shit. He he, he's got a small I guess he does he could come from the conductor lineage then. Because he has yeah. some basic magical tricks. Because he looks a bit like Junior as well, the Junior conductor's well, yeah. 
Maybe he's like the brother like their family don't talk about because he, he didn't go into the family business. No, you know, he, yeah, his dad said like, no son of mine is going to become a cook. No, it's a bit like Sing. And, uh... <laughs> <That's way over. laughs> no son of mine's going to be a singer. But dad, I want to sing Elton, song, so Elton John songs and then be in a, in a biopic piece. No, damn it! <laughs> oh, you're gonna you're gonna be like your cousin Harambe. It's gonna be... <laughs> That's right. We're making Harambe references now. My God, we're like the Reddit. Get over with the Thomas stuff and move into the next. Thing. Oh wait, hold on. We got her. Oh yeah. About how we're selling out. Oh yeah, we've we're selling out. <laughs> we've got ad breaks now, so uh, you get to listen to. Oh, yeah, enjoy this, and we'll see you in the next segment. In the next flippity floppity flip, I'm going to edit that bit out because that was white as hell. See you in the next segment. Welcome back from the ad break. Uh, you didn't enjoy it, but hey, probably, it's going to more often. <laughs> That's right, we're going to get multiple at some point. It's going to just... Next thing you know, we'll have Harry's Razors. Or five dollar oh. or five dollar yeah, no, shave. No. <laughs> uh. That's that that's when you know we've really sold out and we have like Harry's razors or something. Harry's or, razors or, or, or an audible link. Yeah. Honestly, that's when you know you've made it, when you get your own audible link and you're there like Well, in all fairness, I've heard they target people who've got like a thousand subs. So, you know, it's it, they're, they're pretty low. So, so so we're pretty, we're not far off. Really. Yeah. We've got... <laughs> okay. We're anyway. we're, 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 not, we're 994 subs off, so we're all we're, yeah. we're not far. Come right, on, okay, so... I want to recommend books. Hey Toby, what segment are we in? Oh boy, gee whiz. Uh we're in Out of the Barrel. Uh sponsored by Audible. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, the part of the podcast where we talk about whatever's been taking up our time this week. Yeah. And if you skip it, if you skip parts of the podcast like some of our mates do, you get hella confused because that happened. Like one of our mates listened to like the first episode, skipped a bit skipped of the podcast, and then we were talking about something completely different because he cut to this segment of the podcast. Um, and it so... really fucked up. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, uh, what have you been uh, watching, reading, playing well, this week? Scoob, that came out uh, finally. I mean, I know it's a bit late, I mean, but when we recorded this, it came out that week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Originally recorded this, and I'm fucking pissed because I, I had a great review of Scoob, and all the audio fucking corrupted. So I'm gonna have to go over it again. I'm gonna have a Bridget because it. Can't be bothered to go over that same shit again. Uh, yeah, Scoob's out. It costs fifteen quid to rent. Not worth it. <laughs> not when you're watching it I've by yourself. Se- I've seen bits. I need to. I, I think I do need to sit down and probably watch it. You need to sit I, down and probably watch it. Um, uh, for the most part, I'm not in a rush. Um, from what I've heard, it's very, very shit. Um, no, I, I've so, heard it, it's just. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems very preoccupied with trying to set up a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. Which isn't yeah. what I would have done, I'm going to be honest. I I want that. I want a Hanna-Barbera cinema. <laughs> I, want Hong, I want Hong Kong Fooey at some point. 
Fuck to show up. Oh yeah, because Hong Fuck Kung Fu is a re- real character that's really gonna. He's he's really gonna get his own series nowadays with the sensitive material that he's based off. Hong Kong fucking Fu. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. oh, but his I just want to literally wanna, Hong Kong. <laughs> I want to see that dog jump into a filing cabinet and come out dressed as like a ninja. That's what I just want to see that on the big screen. While fighting crime next to Scooby Doo and Blue Falcon. <laughs> Is that? I, is that? I want, to, I want to see that shark. That shark back. The one who. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot his name. Oh, and is it? Not, not. I was gonna say put, put the uh, yeah, doom buggy. What's a fucking? He's that video like, game. Yeah, that, the video game kind. Yeah. yeah. One of the few video games you can't go against the Geneva Convention in. Put, put saves the zoo. Um. <laughs> I, I, okay. Um. But yeah, no. Like it just seems like a mess of a film to me. When Simon Cowell instigates the the drama between the group, something's gone horribly wrong there. I'm sorry, but I love the original live action film. But Pamela Anderson basically yeah, instigates. <laughs> At least with Pamela Anderson, it isn't as egregious as Simon Cowell. And you know, at least Pamela Anderson isn't a dick. Well, actually, I don't know that. But you know. <laughs> Simon Cowman. Simon fucking Cow. Anyway, I Simon Cow. <laughs> right, yeah, I paid like fifteen quid to rent this because they're trying to recoup all the cinema losses, and I think obviously they're expecting you to sit. Anyway. They're they're expecting you to sit down with like a family and watch it, like you know, at least you, four, you, you know, you two you adults, two kids. Rob the eighteen-year-old you are, sat there with a carling in hand and watched Scoob. Personally, I don't drink lager. It would have been a craft ale, um, <laughs> and yet. I was I watched so to get my money's worth I watched it three times in 48 hours before my rent ran out. I love all the east I love all the Easter eggs in this film. The Easter eggs are brilliant. I mean, I'm like my first watch I properly sat and watched it, and then like my second two watches it was just trying to see all the Easter eggs. Yeah, um, yeah. I can imagine uh, it's good for that. It's probably got like loads of fucking references to like old Scooby Doo as well as. Oh, there's Hex Girls references and stuff. I don't get why it isn't just a Scooby Doo film though. Like it's called I... Scoob, and yet you seemingly you spend all the time with Mark Wahlberg and Shaggy and Scooby, and that's it. Wait. Yeah, and Ken Jong. And Ken Jong, but we don't talk about Ken Jong. I wish Captain, I wish Captain Caveman was in it more than he was, because Tracy Morgan is Captain Caveman. I wish Mystery Inc were in it more than they are seemingly. Like, oh no, I don't care. They, they're using all There's the promotional subject. stuff, but apparently they're only in about five minutes of it. Anyway, you know, you know, you know all the promotional stuff that they show. That's basically yeah. all they're in. Really? Get off. Give or give or take. Give or take. <laughs> I don't mind. At, le- at least in Scooby Doo 2002, they didn't go like you didn't see Mr. Ink at the very beginning, and then for the rest of it, you were with fucking Captain Caveman. Like you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Tracy Morgan's Captain Caveman was brilliant as well. Uh, so I would have liked to spend My more main time. The problem with it just seems just like Shaggy, like spending all the time with him. His acts is he just looks like like. Don't get me wrong. The rest of Mr. Ink don't seem great, but it's I think like with Shaggy, you have the the hardest time because you you you're following up yeah. such a great Sorry. like uh casey Kasem along with um uh matthew lillard matthew lillard how did i forget, did you forget lillard's name he's a god amongst men uh yeah um <laughs> how dare you no 
Uh, Forte falls into the same sort of place as Billy West or Scott Irons from the, well, uh, from the direct- Zombie Island. And Zombie Island, yeah. He, he's not doing a terrible job, but he's... No, it's Case from in Zombie Island, I think. I don't think... No, it's not. It's Billy West. I, I thought Billy West took over with the Witch's Ghost. Uh, the Witch's... Is it the Witch's Ghost? Scott Irons is Witch's Ghost. Onwards. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, because I remember... Someone dies, and then... Someone has to take over because the the voice of Shaggy died at some point. Kasem, no. So Kasem does everything, and then director TV Billy West does Zombie Island. Scott Irons ends whatever does the rest. Then uh, Kasem comes back for what's new, uh, it, and then I think there might be the odd bit where. I, I think I think Lillard does the What's New DVDs. I think he does the he does yeah he does the film from the early two thousands. After obviously he's done the live action ones. Yeah. I think he may do some of the later bits of What's New, but I do think that's predominantly all Kasem's. No, I don't. I don't think Kasem started. I don't think um not Kasem. Sorry, Lillard started doing them till after the second film was done. So like yeah. the voice acting. So he's he, I I think his first credited voice acting role for Shaggy was Mystery Incorporated. His first full-time credited thing oh, was Mystery Incorporated, yeah. But like I said, I think he, he did some of the direct TV the, oh, What's New films. Yeah, yeah. And I think he may have done some of the back end of What's New, maybe. But I but I know Kaysom's did a lot of What's New because he was still alive then. It was 2014 Kaysom died, so not mm-hmm. six, six years ago now. Uh, but Will Forte sort of falls in with, I'd say, Billy West and that. He's fine, but not the memorable. Yeah, not really yeah uh, Will Forte is the voice of Scooby. Will Forte is Shaggy. Frank Welker's Scooby. Frank, no, because uh, I remember Frank Welker had to do Shaggy as well at one point. There was I, a point. There's a point no, where I, it's one, there's one film where Frank Welker does both Shaggy and Scooby. I can't remember which one it is. No, Frank Welker does Fred and Scooby. Oh, is it? Oh, never mind then. You're thinking I, of I Scott. Thought, I thought at some point he had to do three, but I must have been mistaken. So I, I remember I, I think it was the changing of actors in the two director TVD. Um, well, yeah, I'm sure everyone's asleep by now, but uh, yeah, uh, the, the two director DVD Scooby Doo um, uh, between Witch's Ghost and uh, Zombie Island. I remember the switch around there. You're um, thinking of Scott Ines, I think. Yeah, Scott Ines, sorry. Scott Inns was Scooby in Zombie Island. Okay. Then um, in, I think, Witch's Ghost, he took over and did both, I think. Let me just... Hold on. Let me just look. I know he did... Uh, Yeah, I think he took over and did both. Frank Welker was Fred, though, in Witch's Ghost. And then Frank Welker, I think, for what's new, took over as... Scooby and Fred. But they brought Welker back for Scoob to do Scoob. Okay, okay. So he's one of the only original... Uh, not original, because obviously Don Messick originally did Scooby, but he's one of the... He, he's one of the few voices I didn't replace from the TV show. Hmm. Uh, that's, that, was, that was weird, because where Captain Caveman lives is called Messick Mountain. And it annoyed oh, wow. me when I first watched it because I was like, Messick sounds familiar and I know it's a reference. And I couldn't think what it was. And then after watching it, it hit me that it's Don Messick, his last name. But the film is a trip of a plot. 
What, so, what happens? So I've heard, I've heard things, but I don't like. It, I, I didn't believe it. I'm gonna be honest. It, it's, so, so oh. before the events of the film, as it, you know, just before yeah. the film happens, you see us in a flashback later. Dick Dastardly opens a portal to hell. What? <laughs> and because basically there's a load of gold stored in there from Julius Caesar's reign of Rome. <laughs> Like Julius Caesar kept his gold in the underworld so people couldn't get it, and it was trapped by. And like he shut it with these two gates that only him and his dog Paridus could open. And basically, Dick Dastley wants the gold, but obviously he's not related to Alexander the Great, and Mutley, his dog's not related to Paridus. So he opens a back door, sends Mutley in to get the gold, but because but then Mutley can't get back out. So he then kidnaps Scoob, who is a descendant of Paridus, Alexander the Great's dog. Because he wants him to open the gates to hell, basically. So Scooby is hell. Sp- well, no, I don't think Paridus is from hell. But either way, Scooby's got the power to open the gates to hell, and they want to. And Dastly wants to use it so he can get Mutley back and get gold, basically. But he's trying to get the three heads of Cerberus, and that's where the Blue Falcon and Dino Muck come in because they're trying to stop him like superheroes. That's the basics. And. Mm. Without going too much into it, unless because pe- if people want to watch it, uh, yeah, it's mad. It's a trip. See, I've discussed it at length before now, so I don't really want to do it again. I want to leave it up to people to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Like, we talk enough crap about Scooby Doo anyway. Uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll probably get brought up on other. Podcasts. Oh, when we eventually tackle yeah, the yeah. masterpieces, we will. We will go full scoob fan but for now for now we'll we'll save the people um so yeah i i've just been watching a lot of star trek enterprise because i hate myself um i i've delved back into that rabbit hole i'm yeah. in season three Again. now and you, i've you, um, met the character that's played by um jeffrey dean morgan he plays yeah. one of the zindi uh, reptilians and the yeah. Zindi are some of the most generic bad guys in the like anything Star Trek I've ever. Because their plot is they're gonna destroy the world because they've been manipulated by a, a species from the future that want to wipe out humanity before they can pose a threat to them. So that's an ongoing thing with Enterprise for some reason. There's they're 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 stuck in the middle of this cold temporal war. This temporal war that's going on throughout time because both Starfleet and the this species have found a way to travel through time now yeah uh, which was established in something like voyager or something um but yeah it's it's a very convoluted mess of a show but i i'm growing to not enjoy it but respect it for what it is um (laughs) because it is it's just it's interesting watching like the early days because this predates like everything to do with starfleet and everything so it's interesting watching it from that angle and having all the technology kind of reflect that be a bit more like what we have today rather yeah. than like what they had in like the original series or something uh so that, yeah but it's still like can clearly oh everything here can evolve into what we see later on so it does the prequel thing quite well and the characters are also a, a lot more human weirdly it's this the most like vulnerable a lot of humans seem to be are very prideful and their pride gets in their way uh, which Look, is I, 
I love when shows do that. When they're set really far in the future, so they'll have throwbacks or whatever. When you see a part of a show and they displace it time-wise, so you'll either see something that's more advanced or something that's before it, if you know what I mean. You see how it plays into yeah. it. Yeah. It, it helps build the world as well. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I think it's where Discovery kind of fails as a mm. show um, because Discovery, along with problems with writing and everything, Discovery's main problem for me is just it's it seems to forget the fact it's meant to be a prequel. No, like I I don't care about some of the lore stuff like holograms and stuff like that's annoying enough. But it's like it's the stylistic choices they make. They they're like we need to make it flashy because otherwise modern audiences won't resonate with the show. Um, but the problem is you kind of forget the identity of the series at that point. It becomes a bit more generic as a sci-fi like universe. Because if yeah. you're already setting it in a predetermined universe and you're going, we want to make a prequel show, you've got a kind of a bye to the rules of the prequel. Era. Yeah. It's this the like it, whenever they do it in Star Wars, like they'll go backwards in time. They'll, usually, it's not as bad with Star Wars because they're like the ten, the technological advancements aren't as like they aren't they aren't as massive. Everything kind of looks like it, it like it basically could turn into one thing to another it's not that yeah. far from each other but with star trek because everything the technology moves so quickly especially when you go from the os to the uh tng you've got to respect that kind of leap from like something like enterprise to the original series so it is you've got to try and make it look more devolved than a set from the 60s yeah. So, but they do it. You've, in also, you've also got to make it look that that has come from that. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it's a, it's a difficult. They don't always hit it, and sometimes there is stuff that looks a bit okay. You've kind of pushed the envelope a bit too much there, but it's um. For the most part, I think the best thing about it is the stylistic choices. Mm. And Scott Bakula is great as a lead. Like he's a <laughs> great leading man. The, it's my biggest problem is the like. It's the probably the least diverse Star Trek has been which is always yeah. a crucial thing. It's not even like a pushing diversity for sake. It's because this is meant to be like a combined future. There's not many black people on the ship. Like even, there's not meant to be that many aliens, which is like, because there is Starfleet doesn't exist yet. It's only really the Vulcan and uh, the Doctor who's a like alien. But besides that, like the rest of the sh- crew is human. But there's really only like three black characters on the entire show. The prominent anyway and it and there's like one asian so it is a very weird mix and it yeah. it, it does lead this to like feeling like the natural resolution to this kind of era not just of star trek but of this era of television where it's not as diverse and it, it kind of needs to be really it's why it kind of falls apart a bit for me um it's funny how a show from the 60s is almost as diverse as the and show from the 2000s <laughs> um, you know the show from the 2000s uh, it's, it's weird star trek seems to take a step back they they think they it's like they feel they push the envelope too far with something like deep space nine by making them mainly black and they never do it again like uh with yeah. voyager they state like the lead's a white woman and then mm. with this it's a white guy again it's like oh okay you, you kind mean, of taking a step back in diversity yeah with, um, I, sounds re- i mean i'm it's gonna you know, it's just going to sound like we're getting political now, but for me at least, I don't care who the lead is as long as they're a good lead. Yeah, no, you Scott Bakula is still a good lead, but, exactly. my, I, but I think I mean, colour colour matters. Colour um, matters to some degree because you know you like to see a character that you link to, you know. Mm. But I mean, at the same time, 
I've watched a show and I've like been like or, or a cartoon been like hey, you know I'm not gonna like a character less because they don't look the same as me for some okay, degree, you know um, but I, gonna... I think with Star Trek as well the problem mm. is it, you, it's meant to be the United Earth but there's also only Americans on the ship uh, Americans oh. and English that's, that's the bigger problem there's no like Russian or yeah. Like, cause even in the original series, you had like a Russian, and a, like, because the biggest, like, what the fuck, probably for Americans, wasn't even the fact there was a, uh, like, a black woman and a pro- like, prominent figure on the ship. It was probably the fact there was a Russian sat at the console taking an order from an American. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they would have a problem if Captain Kirk was Russian. I'm sure that would have caused some. You're telling me the Russians are commanders? I don't think so. <laughs> You're telling me the Russians got to space first? <laughs> God. I don't know why that was more British than American. Dear <laughs> uh, <Yeah>, hell. <laughs> I, I'm not even and I'm furious about this. <laughs> You're telling um, me a Frenchman sounds English? <laughs> My God. Oh, <laughs> um. uh, yeah, no, I've just been, I've been quite enjoying um, Enterprise in a very sickly kind of way. I, I guess I'm just that... Cause it is kind of the end of... It's the end of that kind of, like, just pacifist kind of star trek nowadays star trek is it resembles star wars a bit more yeah a lot more action orientated a lot less like almost a lot less preachy uh (laughs) it's strange because uh, with pushes and diversity and great things like that they've they've almost forgotten to make messages about hope and like everything they'll tack on like a speech about hope at the end of a series that's all yeah. been about war and conflicts and it's like this this seems a bit hypocritical you should be showing this throughout the series and that's something at least like this show kind of tackles it it's still got its messages uh, there's especially like an entire episode based on like the war on terror because that was like very prominent at the time because this show was like 2003 odd so it was like yeah they do massive episodes about like terrorism and the effects of it and everything there's um one episode with um oh, i can't remember his name he's he's a prominent voice actor but he's a, he's um he plays a terrorist in a desert it's very on the nose but yeah well, it's yeah very good um with well, american media of the 2000s in it <laughs> it's all about terrorism and taking on terrorists and punching them in the face yeah. uh <laughs> uh yeah no it's, it's i've been having fun with it and um when it comes to like any other entertainment, I don't think I've really been consuming that much. I don't know about you. I've kind of been like tunnel visioned. Yeah, I um wait right, one of when we re- originally recorded this, it wasn't out, but it is now. Umbrella Academy season two. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've mentioned I was excited about it for. Is it living up to your expectations? It was enjoyable. It's really good. I binged it in two days because at work. If I wasn't at work, it would have been one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I I'm not gonna I'm probably gonna go more into my enjoyment of it next episode. I want to give it a bit a week or so. I might rewatch it properly. Mm. I might reread the Dallas arc of the comic to make some comparisons because I know watching it I know the differences, but it's that thing of it's been a while since I've read the comic again, so I want to before I start properly talking about it fully, I want to reread the comic again just to I say it's been a gap. So, but uh, it's enjoyable. I said I. Basically, I got home from work on the Friday, watched five episodes, so I didn't get to bed till that one o'clock. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I got back at like half seven, eight-ish. That's pretty much my schedule with Enterprise. It's been pretty much from start to finish. Uh, I'm yeah, 
and then I set an alarm to intentionally wake up early to watch two to watch two more episodes before going to work, and then I watched the last three when I got home. Uh, so it wasn't a very healthy sleep schedule for that day, those two days. But it was like Imagine it's the only way I'm gonna get it watched without it getting spoiled for me online. Oh god, I that's the one thing I hate about the internet nowadays. You can't like you have to watch a show pretty much within the first week of it coming out. Other uh, like as, uh, that's why I almost liked about Picard because they were releasing episodes weekly. It gave you like you you were kind of like oh uh, you, had great, you had a great period yeah. Yeah, you don't have people, like, chewing through it. Wait, no. I wish more, like, streaming services did that, like, releasing one episode at a time. Oh, yeah. Actually, well, it makes for, like, nicer consumption, because then cliffhangers can also stick a bit better. That's yeah. the main thing. In days of streaming, cliffhangers just don't exist. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things I'll quickly go over with it. That I, you know, I'm going to say, it's not really spoiler-rific. Uh... It's visually, it's really nice. The new series, it's I yeah. prefer it visually to the last one because it's set in the 60s. This one, because uh, end of the last series, the world's about to end. Five uses its powers to time travel and jump them all back to some random point in time, then dropping in the 60s. So, visually, it's a really nice, just color wise and pat, you know, it's all set yeah. in Dallas. Okay. It's, so it's all quite it's all quite bright because obviously it's the southern state of America, so it's all sunny and. Well, was the last series quite? Too like lacking color wise. Uh yeah, the last series was a lot more gothic. If you get it was a lot darker, mainly just tonal wise. Like it was still had color to it. It was sort of great series. I'm just saying, I think more the era this one was set. It was. A I, I always I, I do kind of like period setting stuff though. I I wish mm. a lot more. I'm not saying Umbrella Academy is, I don't know, but superhero based stuff. I wish there was it a is. lot more period. Yeah, there was, I, I wish there was a lot it more period set yeah. superhero stuff. Because that like, period set just looks great. If you set mm. it in a certain time period, you can fully embody that period. It's, it just it adds so much character to it, really. There's, there's some great um, social commentary in this as well, which I'll go over next episode. Yeah. Um, my one gripe, right, with this. Firstly, not enough Klaus. Uh, I want more Klaus. The whole series should just be Klaus. Uh, he's the best character. But Is also, even... no, that's Pogo. You, uh, uh, yeah, that's Pogo, the monkey, who's we need, great. We need well. more monkeys in media. We need, <laughs> more, we need more monkey media, man. Uh, no, my main gripe is a lot of the show, like they'll have fights set to like you know good music and stuff, and like synced mm. up really well like you had a uh, the coffee shop fight from the first season's great with is it a bit more, like, when you like kingsman-esque Kingsman like, kind of, yeah 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 yeah. and then like you have there's a fight in a department store to don't stop me now by queen in the first series oh. this one has a fight to bad guy luckily it's not the original version it's, what the billy eilish one yeah no, look, it's the Billy. It's a cover of the Billy Eilish song. Luckily, by the Interrupters, the Scar Punk band. You know the one that we were meant to go see. Who, are, for some reason, opening wait, wait, for? Were they, oh, the one that were opening for. Because somehow you yeah. can fit an opener in that lineup. I don't get how you fit. Oh god, but that's a. <laughs> <laughs> but thing is, though, I was sat there with this fight, and I was like, "This song sounds familiar." And then it's like, "Oh shit, it's this." But thing mm. is, though. I didn't hate the cover because it's really fun and it's got trumpets because it's all like Scar and Scar and that. It, I hate it because 
Jared Way made me sit through and listen to Bad Guy and actually not hate it. Like, I hate Billie Eilish's original. Uh, I, I don't have I don't have strong feelings either way about Billie Eilish. I'm gonna be honest. I'm I, saying, I don't like. I really don't like the original version. But this yeah. version and the way it's set to the fight, I actually like it, and I found myself actually listening to this cover because I like the interrupters. I, I think that, that's an example. Like sometimes covers can just make something that was yeah, yeah. basically unreadable bearable. It um, just makes the song really fun because it's got trumpets and stuff, and I prefer the vocal. I, I always like listening to covers that change the genre, though. Yeah, so yeah. It, that's always an interesting experiment, if nothing else. It's like, oh, oh, it's uh, everything wants to rule the world, but it's done as a jazz song, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's. Uh, uh, like so, people have done like gorillas covers in like mm. a swing or something, and it's great. Yeah. Um, and I'm just saying, fuck you, Jared Way, for making me listen to Bad Guy and actually enjoying it. Uh, uh, Damn you for making me enjoy something. Uh, back to Star Trek because that's where our heart should be. <laughs> uh, oh. I rewatched uh, Beyond yesterday. Did Still you? fucking great. Um, oh. I always thought he'd be a fuck. <laughs> oh god. We were, we well, we recorded something about Star Trek Beyond that probably that we were gonna we were gonna release as a one-off. But we recorded but it. It's not going to happen now. Well, could, it might happen down the road, but it's it not. Might. It might. If we're clever with the editing and we go back and record the bits that fucked up. Because uh, okay, recorded... I should explain this. Cause I don't think we've. Well, we might have sent out a social media post, but I don't think we no, have. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I got so if far with editing. This, this is three weeks after. The, well, this is a week after this episode probably should have gone out anyway. And it's also. We had two weeks since the last, like uh, two weeks since the last episode, anyway, because we didn't realize that at certain points in the year there's an extra week in, in like <laughs> month, uh, because we're idiots. Uh, no, because we we do every episode as we've explained every before, other week. Basically. Yeah, every other week. Basically, um, yeah. With some months that doesn't work, <laughs> no. uh, because there's there'll be like five, there'll be five. Basically, by the time we go to release one on a Thursday or something, that will be the 31st so or something like that. So it won't work. There, I think there's only three of these like these a year. So we were going to put out these singular like bite-sized episodes where we talk about literally anything we want to. Right, and we're and going to do Beyond. But we, we, went... record... we we're going to do Beyond. And we recorded it on the same day we recorded the original Thomas episode. For whatever reason, pretty much both recordings from that day just fucked up. Yeah. So we ended up without that. I was close to a mental breakdown because I spent... It was only the ending of that recording that fucked up and it wasn't searchable either. And so I got so far without wasting about a good couple of days editing, it was unusable at the end. I then move on to the Thomas episode because I think, right, I've got to get this edited for, for release. And the same thing happens. I nearly and I have basically a big meltdown. So I'm giving I'm giving this episode to Luke to edit just in case if it's fucked up. At least he has the meltdown this time and not me. Because I, <laughs> if I have a third meltdown over these recordings, fucking off. I'm gonna like wow. I'm it, gonna commit toaster bath. There are gonna be seven. It's been difficult like trying to get these done as it is. Cause we're we're both getting well, you're getting busier now, and uh, yeah, work's going back to normal schedules, and we're. In September, we're going to have to see how it goes because we're both going to university, what happens. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. 
Um, it's been difficult behind the scenes for this one. Um, yeah. So we, I mean, we 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 thank you for sticking with it. Yeah, because um, to be fair, the was it the flushed away episode that was that was light up. That was just because it just for whatever reason wasn't willing to upload, but the actual files were fine. This it's just mm. the files are fucked. <laughs> Everything's fucked. Um, <laughs> I couldn't fix it. I'm a doctor, not an audio technician. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, yeah I've done it well. So I've recently got, going back to what we've done, recently got back into Yu-Gi-Oh! with my mate during quarantine as well, and it's lockdown. And I used to play it a lot as kids and teenagers, then sort of dropped off because got all this, you know, ended up just not really playing it much uh getting other interests mainly music and also they change the they they change the rules every couple of years a new series gets released a new card type gets released to go along with it this new one basically nerfed everything and i was like i'm not paying for that like because the game's basically paid to win anyway but at the same time it's like these new link monsters basically nerfed everything it was like before they'd released a new card but it, it, it changed the rules but you didn't need that new type to play this basically meant you needed it if you wanted to play anything so but we've recently got into it because they've updated the rules so this new card type isn't as much of a power creep as it was say a year or two ago and i've got back into that and same with watching the show and reading the comics because it's like a new hyper fixation basically Okay. Yeah. It's one of them. It's. Let's say it's someone I played as a kid and I've still got all my cards, but it was that thing of like. I said. I think. I think I played it a bit my first year of college again with a couple people, but we didn't really play it a lot. It was that thing of, again, if we were playing it, we were playing rules before they introduced this new card type because we were, none of us wanted to really be using that card. And. Yeah, but got back into it because they've just. Konami realised they fucked up and how nerfing the game that much turned a lot of people off. So <laughs> they've adjusted the rules even further. They've adjusted the rules back to where it's it's playable without actually needing that card. But it's it's like it's better if you do invest yourself in learning how to use that card type called links. But you don't need to, which is how every other new card type has been throughout the years. You know, yeah. you don't need to use it, but it's better if you know how to. It's one of them. Uh, but yeah, got that's got back in sight. So I've been watching all the old shows, uh, which that's been a proper nostalgia trip. As well as reading all my old comics from it. Well, my manga, if you're being all pedantic about it. My Chinese, my Chinese cartoons and comics or whatever. So hey everyone, sorry for cutting you off there Toby, he'll be back in a moment just to finish off the episode. But um, yeah, there's a large bit of this episode missing here because um, my audio just isn't there for some reason. So this episode's ending might seem a bit jarring and cut up and I just want to explain that's the reason why. And also to thank you all for sticking with us during this turbulent few weeks where there hasn't been much content at all because uh, we 
already missed a week because of scheduling issues and then now it's kind of all broken down because of the technical issues with this one um so yeah but we should be back at some point next week or the week after and then yeah um we hope to keep it a bit more consistent after that point anyway yes so this has been luke and yeah enjoy the ending to this episode so next episode we're we're going straight to the wild wild west for a epic steampunk western with will smith so see you next time uh i was gonna partner and remember remember to wear a mask because if you don't, that's not very yeehaw of you. <laughs>